every one of us, all of us, that we must always remember and understand redemption. We must remember and understand redemption. What is redemption? Redemption means being rescued from the fall. Being rescued from the fall. So the fall was real. But redemption is more real. The, re- the original blueprint, the original blueprint for your life was Adam. Adam was the first man. He was the original blueprint for your life and my life. And yet Jesus called the second Adam. He is our redeemer. He is our deliverer. And he is more real and more powerful than the first Adam. The word of God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107 verse 2. What do you say? Say that you have been redeemed. Say that you have redeemed. Tell the whole world that you have been redeemed. Tell the devil that you have been redeemed. That you have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That you have been redeemed from the hand of sickness and disease. You have been redeemed from the hand of poverty. Redeemed from the hand of immorality. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. You have been given a mouth, a tongue to chart your course. With the heart, you believe unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When you engage your heart and your mouth, you will be delivered from every difficult situation. You will be delivered from the hands of the fowler. You will be delivered from all the problems and troubles in your life and in the world. God has given you your heart to believe and your mouth to speak. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When we talk about the truth, we're talking about the reality. What is the reality? The reality is that you have been redeemed. You are the redeemed of the Lord. The reality is you are a new creature. You don't live by the old, you live by the new. The born again spirit, the born again man. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you live out of that newness. Live out of that newness. And you need to maximize, maximize that new creature in Christ Jesus. And we must put this new creature to work. Put this new creature in the forefront. 
Don't put the old man in the forefront. Put the new creature in the forefront. Can we say amen? I want to maximize my mind. I want to maximize my mental health. My mind is healthy because Jesus is now the Lord of my mind. It is written that I have the mind of Christ. I partake of the mind of Jesus because I am a member of his body. So I want to maximize my mind for the building up of my body from sickness to health. For the transformation of my soul from problems to holiness. From fear to faith. My spirit from glory to glory. Can we say amen? When we talk about the mind, the mind is different from your physical brain. The mind is different from the brain. The mind handles all the thoughts that come up from within you and come to you from what is outside of you. Your mind is spiritual. Your mind has been given to you by the Lord to choose what to stay on the inside of you and what to get out from the inside of you and what is not allowed to come into the inside of you. Can we say amen? That is your freedom. That is your autonomy. You have been given the power to govern, to rule over your life. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, Ephesians 4, 23. This is a very, very powerful scripture. A very, very powerful scripture. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I really want to encourage each and every child of God to read the book of Ephesians. It's a very, very powerful book. It's a book that equips you. It's a book that empowers you. It's a book that promotes you. It's a very, very powerful book written by the Holy Spirit given to Paul, the apostle. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, if God says that I need to renew the spirit of the mind, of my mind, then I follow. I won't get offended. I won't be ashamed. I don't feel condemned. If God says I need to do it, I do it. If God says to do it, I gladly do it. No offense, no condemnation, and no shame. The spirit of your mind, the spirit of my mind is vital. Remember last Sunday, we talked about the realm of the unseen, the invisible. Remember, in the realm of the invisible, we have God. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels, the demons, the spirit of men. So there are many, many Substances, immortal substances, immortal beings that exist in the realm of the unseen. So that's why your mind 
is very, very important. The spirit of your mind is very, very important. My spirit, your spirit, has been given to you by God to contact the spiritual realm. To contact everything that is in the realm of the spirit. So the spirit of your mind is very, very important. What is, the, what is the spirit of your mind? What is the spirit that is influencing your mind? Is it the spirit of God? Is it the spirit of demons? Or is it just your human spirit? My mind may not be bad. May not be demonic. But it's just humanistic. Worldly. Humanistic. That means I'm not carrying the Holy Spirit. What is influencing your mind? It can be the spirit of mammon, the spirit of anger, the spirit of rejection, dejection, the spirit of fear. Or won't it be much better if our mind is influenced by the spirit of faith? The spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, the spirit of hope, the spirit of love. Another question, what is the domineering spirit of my mind? What is the domineering spirit of my mind? Could it be a spirit of slumber? A spirit of carnality? No. I would desire the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of holiness. Can we say amen? So refuse to allow any devil to hijack your mind. The mind of your born again spirit. Can we say amen? If you're not in control of your mind... If you're not aware of the spirit of your mind, the devil can just dump whatever that's rubbish into your mind. And those things can come up in your dream. Those things can come up when you're all by yourself as thoughts, as feelings, as images, as ideas. What is affecting me, my spirit, predominantly? This is very important. We need to understand that your spirit, your born-again spirit, does not just fall. No, it does not just fall like that. It does not just go enter into a fallen status. No, not easily and not quickly. But your spirit, even your born-again spirit, listen to me, church, can be dulled, stifled, suppressed. Oppressed, captured, depleted. How many of you have experienced your spirit being dull in the past? Lift up your hands. How many of you have experienced your spirit being oppressed in the past? So you know what I'm talking about. Your spirit can be so depleted, so dull that you can't even pray. No prayers come to you. It's not because you don't pray. It's because you have not exercised your spirit. You have not used your born-again spirit. 
You simply put it on the side, on the bookshelf, on your pillow. Another way that our spirit can do well and function is for our spirit to be invigorated, energized, empowered, charged, lifted up. How many of you have been in a prayer meeting or even in a meeting like this when you are charged, when you are lifted up? It's like Holy Ghost ideas that you've never had before would come to you. How many of you have experienced that? How many have you, of you have experienced after you've listened to a sermon, even the, in the midst of listening to God's word, you become so fired up, so charged up, so empowered. You can just lay hand on the sick and believe in God for them to recover. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You become so charged up that you can see your future bright, glorious, victorious in front of you. So lift up your hands and say, Lord, charge me up. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. Colossians 1 21. And you that were sometime alienated, enemies in your mind by what? Wicked works. Wicked works referring to devils, referring to demons. Referring to demonic ideas, deceptions, lies, distractions. Those things that are happening around you can distract you, can deplete you, can dull your spirit. Devils work to turn the human mind against God. Devils work, devils work to separate Christians from the will of God, from the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. To distract them into another course, into another direction, which can be human, worldly, religious, and evil. Missing God's calling. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Why is it so important that the spirit of our mind must be renewed on a continual basis? Be you renewed in the spirit of your mind. Why? And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. An idea that sounds so good, that looks so good, that feels so good can be from the devil. Devil, the devil himself will not come to attack you telling you that he's a demon. He will tell you he's an angel. And that's why when your mind is of the right spirit, when your mind is of the spirit of discernment, you can discern between good and evil. Why? Because you have exercised your born again spirit. You have exercised your renewed mind. The Bible has a lot to say about having a quiet time. None of us can live without a quiet time. We must have a quiet time with the Lord. Quiet time is for self-reflection. Self-reflection is very important. How many of you have looked into your mirror this morning? Come on, lift up your hands. Yes. Why? Because you need to look at yourself. Self-reflection is very, very important for promotion, 
for transformation, not for denial and condemnation. If you don't know yourself, you will live in denial. If you don't know, if you don't know your own weaknesses, you will continue to have the weaknesses. Success does not come from denial nor presumptions. As Christians, we have been given the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, number one, to know ourselves. Who knows you better than your spirit? Who knows you better than the Holy Spirit? Who knows you better than yourself? And it's very foolish for you to run from yourself. It is very important for us to look into the mirror to know ourselves. Can we say amen? If you look at Matthew chapter 7, you don't have to look there. Uh, the screen there will show you. I just want to show you that Jesus mentioned twice, two times. It's like verily, verily. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Come on, say with me, fruits. One more time, fruits. If you look at verse 17, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Look at verse 18. Look at verse, not, where's verse 18? A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. It is a spiritual principle. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. How do we know somebody, including ourselves? By the fruits. What are fruits? Manifestations. Manifestations. What comes out of you? What manifests out of you? This is what the Lord is saying. That's how we know how well we are doing, how well everybody is doing. So Jesus was talking about the spirits that influence the outcome or the results. Spirits that influence people. So we need to look and examine our lives, our thoughts, attitudes. We need to look at the end products. The results of my works, the results of my living. What is there hindering or facilitating my progress, my maturity, fruitfulness? It's very important that we examine our lives, our doings, our outcomes, our results. Be willing to dig deep, to be honest. With yourself. Because we cannot deal with anybody but ourselves. We are not called to correct anybody but ourselves. So we need to be willing to dig deep to be honest. Ask yourself, do I have issues that I have not dealt with? That are stumbling my progress and others' progress. That are hindering my growth and the growth of the people around me. Am I leading those who are following me down the right path, including my children? Am I a hypocrite when I'm in the midst of my children? 
Do I love the Lord unconditionally when I am with my children? Do I display a forgiving heart, a forgiving attitude towards those around me when I am with my family? Am I setting a good example? Not to condemn, nor to criticize, but to grow, to mature, to improve, to benefit others. Can we say amen? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. Ephesians chapter 4. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We read this. Remember, Jesus would never ask us to do something without giving us the know-how. How do I renew the spirit of my mind? Look at verse 24. This is what you do. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Why true holiness? Because a lot of times, you know what the church calls holiness, like not wearing makeup, not wearing lipstick and all that kind of stuff. It's not really true holiness righteousness and holiness, they are spiritual forces that come out of you that defeat demons when they are trying to attack you. When you go into a wicked place, the righteousness and the holiness that you carry will drive them away. How come nobody gossips around you? Why? Because you carry the spirit of righteousness and holiness. You attract what you carry. Can we say amen? You attract what you carry. Amen. And then if you look at verse 25, look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying. Putting away. So you notice that there is a putting on and there is a putting off. A putting on of the new man and a putting off of the old man. In the book of Ephesians, a very powerful warfare book. And then in the book of Colossians, go to Colossians with me, chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. Another very powerful spiritual warfare book, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. Look at this. Put off the old man. The second line. Put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus tell us to do the same thing? Yes. He said, verily, verily, you must be born again. He said that you cannot have an old wine skin for new wine. Why? Because the new wine will break the wine skin and all the new wine will be wasted. He said, new wine must be put into New wine skin. That's why he has made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. New wine in the new wine skin. You put off the old man and you put on the new man. 
Put on the mind of the new man. Put on the holy emotions of the new man. Put on the will of the new man. Put on the body of the new man. Put on the heart of the new man. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Let me look at what is some of the old stuff. Have I ever been prideful? Condescending? Bossy, harsh, unkind, inconsiderate, critical, controlling, manipulative, task-oriented, withdrawn, not sociable, avoiding people, avoiding dealing with issues, brushing people or matter aside, being impatient, being pretentious. All of the above, they belong to the old man. And what do we have to do? Put them off. Put them away. Put them off. Do I have virtues as well? Yes. There are virtues that I should grow so that I can become more beneficial and more powerful. What are some of the virtues? I'm forgiving. Gracious, kind, tolerant, accommodating, generous, respectful, friendly, cheerful, hopeful, confident, persevering, honest, genuine, quick to bounce back. So what do I do? Put on the new man and keep growing those virtues. What is my outlook towards life? What is my outlook towards life? Positive or negative? Bright or dark? Godly or human? Presumptuous? Naive? Gullible? Or discerning? Perceptive? Insightful? Vigilant? Full of faith? Another question, what is my social value? Do I have a social value? Do I have social values? Do I value, honor, respect people as God's creation and my equal? Come on, say with me, my equal. Every man, every woman is your equal. No matter what profession you are of, no matter what education you've had, no matter matter what is your social position, no matter what's your financial position, every man, every woman is my equal, including your children, including all the children around you. Can we say amen? God's creation and my equal. The devil wants to trap us into a defense and attack mode. We listen with a defensive attitude. We listen. See if you want to attack me. If you're attacking me, I'm defending myself. Instead of listening with an open mind. Why? Because self-defense is the fallen man's default position. 
A fallen man, his position is self-defense. Because if I don't defend myself, who's going to defend me? But if when, when you are secure in the Lord, when you are secure in Christ Jesus, guess what? You know all the time that he is defending you, protecting you, watching over you. So it's very important for us to know and understand that self-defense default position. Why? Because we're living in a fallen world. So it's important for us to know that to listen with an open mind, that needs to be intentionally cultivated and practiced. Listening with an open mind, with an open heart, is and must be intentionally cultivated and practiced. Can we have an amen? If you look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I did not know that, but I found out that there were some Christians, when they listened to a sermon, they are thinking that the pastor was attacking them, beating them up, you know. No, the word of God does not beat you up. The word of God empowers you. Can we say amen? The word of God lifts you up and empowers you. So if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, wherefore gird up, say with me, gird up. Gird up the loins of your mind. How many of you brothers that you tuck your trousers or your pants this morning? You tuck up your trousers and your pants? Yes. You do, right? You have to tuck your tuck up your pants, your trousers. Hey, right? This is the word the, the same meaning as the word gird up. Means you tuck it up. You pull it up. Because the mind in and of itself can easily go down. You can get drained, you can get tired, you can get worn out, you can get depleted. And that's why the word of God says that Jesus is the lifter up, lifter up of your head. Can we say amen? Wherefore, gird up the lawns of your mind. What will happen when you do that? You become sober. You will not be confused, clouded anymore. And you would start having the hope. You can see the hope for your life. And you start to have grace manifested in your life grace hallelujah why why do we have grace because we have revelation no grace will come into your life without revelation the revelation of financial abundance the revelation of financial prosperity will give you prosperity and financial abundance the revelation of divine health and divine healing will deliver you health and healing. Manifestations in the natural comes from revelations in the spiritual. And how do we receive revelations? How many of us want to, to receive revelations? How do we get that? Be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit 
of your mind. So that your mind is not dull, so that your mind is not drowned in all the civilian affairs of this world, the troubles of this life. How many of you know that if you are inundated with the troubles and the problems of this life, it is very hard for you to even breathe (laughs) the fresh air of the Holy Spirit? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you must refuse to be burdened down and tangled and wrapped up in the affairs of this life. Why is it so important for us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind? So that we can detect and discern. Say with me, detect. Discern. How do I know if that person has a right heart or not? How do I know what's the intention of that person? What's the motive of that person? You need to discern. You need to detect. To discern and to detect the presence of demons around people. Demons like deceiving spirits. When you discern them, you can rebuild them and cast them out and get rid of them. What are some of those demons? Demons that drive the thoughts in your mind. It can be a stubborn spirit. It can be a spirit of human ambition. It can be a spirit of vanity. On the other hand, you can detect, and we need to detect, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to detect the presence of angels. The spirits of discernment, guidance, the spirit of courage, the spirit of forbearance, the spirit of prosperity, the spirit that opened doors so that we can yield to them, so that we can cooperate with them. Can we say amen? We need to be able to discern and yield. Why? So that we can operate with unction with insight, so that we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can we say amen? Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now, I'm giving you meat this morning. I'm not giving you milk, okay? So you really need to gird up your mind, the lawns of your mind, to receive it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Because I can preach like this in our church, because our church has a lot of mature Christians. All right, so that's why you, you need to understand that in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians, it took a long time for Paul to be able to get out, you know, to move on to the gifts of the Spirit because he had to deal with the foundational issues. If you look at first P, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, shall we read that together? 1, 2, 3. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of a love, and of a sound mind. So to put it simply and easily for us to understand, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but God has given us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Have you got that? So you have so many. The spirit of fear is just one. But you've been given the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. So are we to magnify the devil or magnify God? Magnify the Lord. Amen. 
Hallelujah. It's very important. Now, I want, you to, I want to draw your attention to the last word of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. What's the last word? Mind. The last word, mind, is sophronismos. Sophronismos meaning self-discipline. Another translation is self-control. How many of you remember that we have self-control listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit? One of the forces of the Spirit in your born-again spirit. Your born-again spirit has a lot of stuff in it. Forces. Your born-again spirit is not empty. Your born-again spirit is packed with power. Packed with spiritual forces. Amen. Glory be to God. That's why Jesus, what did he say? Out of your innermost being will bubble up, bubble up, burst forth rivers of living water. And this is the assignment that God has given to this church. This ministry, this is the calling that God has put on me. It's to help Christians so that you don't stay weak. You don't stay childish, but you grow and you mature and you grow, you grow and you grow and you become more and more powerful, more and more powerful, more and more glorious, more and more vibrant, more and more victorious. That's the calling that God has put on my life. That's why you find so much meat in this church. Because this is the calling that God has put on this church, on my life. So spiritual forces are in you. So in a nutshell, as a child of God, our assignment is to hear God and then be able to govern and rule ourselves. Be able to govern and rule ourselves, our life, our living our world. And when you're able to govern yourself, your life, your living, you will be able to govern your world against the attacks of the devil. Can we say amen? You know, a lot of times Christians don't know God or, you know, get the wrong understanding of God. A lot of Christians, they think if God wants my life to be good, he'll make my life good. If God wants to bless me, he will bless me. If God wants healing to happen, this would have happened. No, no. God is not a dictator. You will have whatsoever you believe. With your heart, you believe unto righteousness. And you will have whatsoever you say. By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. It's very important that we understand that. God loves you. But it doesn't mean that you will not have temptations. It doesn't mean that you will have no battles. Let me ask you. God created Adam and Eve, right? The first couple. Let me ask you a question. Didn't they have temptations? Were they tempted? What about Jesus? 
Was he tempted? Absolutely. So what do you think? Will we be tempted? Will we be tempted? That's why it's so important for us to fortify ourselves, to equip ourselves so that we can discern, so that we can believe right, so that we can talk right and overcome all the attacks of the devil. Can we say amen? If you look at the temptations of Jesus, the three temptations of Jesus, the first one, food. That's the humanity of Jesus. The second one, power, ruling power. You know, the devil was crazy. He tempted Jesus because he knew that Jesus wanted to rule and to reign. Now, how many parents did you have experienced this? That you want to rule and reign over your children just for their own good. Come on. How many parents have felt that? If they could just listen to me, if I could just govern them, you know, and rule over them, their lives will be good. That's wrong. That's being controlling. That's being controlling. And when you are being controlling, I tell you, your children will be rebellious. Controlling parents breed rebellious children. So that was the second temptation. The temptation to have power, to rule over the world. And what's the third temptation? The self-worth. If you were the son of man. The intrinsic value of a person, which is in your spirit. Remember the Lord's prayer that Jesus said to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Look at the second temptation. Those three things were exactly what the devil used to tempt Jesus with. Whether you are a man, whether you are a woman, there is a lust in you to control. Every man, every woman has the lust to control. But you've been given the power only to control yourself. How many of us have got it? How many of you have been driving through the traffic and somebody else was speeding and you get so mad, so angry? Slow down, what are you doing? <laughs> if I could control him. <laughs> How many of you know that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Amen. So the heart of God is for us to have a self-controlled life. The heart of God is for us to be self-governed. Come on, lift up your hands with me and say self-governed. That includes you govern yourself well so that you're healthy. You govern your mind well so that you think good. You govern your feelings good so that you are not angry. Amen. You govern your body so you have the freedom to move. You don't lose any mobility. You govern yourself well, so you have finances. Freedom means freedom from lack. Freedom from external control. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that we are not driven, we are not fooled, we are not manipulated, enslaved, exploited. Listen to this. When we have freedom, and when we can maintain our freedom, we function in a god given place of power and dominion.
when you're free from all the troubles and all the attacks and all the inadequacies of this world, then you are in the place of dominion and authority against all the attacks of the enemy. Please do understand that we are still living in this world. We are not in heaven. And as long as you're living in this world, you do need to be able to govern yourself right. You do need to be able to have authority and dominion over everything that is evil and devilish. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, are we doing okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord, what's the meaning of the word Lord? Huh? Master? Ruler? Boss? Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of lordship, the spirit of governance, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now understand this by the Holy Spirit with me. Let me ask you a question. Who or what rules over people? Who or what rules over people? Mankind. Humanity, either God or the devil. It must be a spirit because we have fallen from the place of the spirit to the place of the natural. We have fallen from the place of dominion, which is the supernatural, to the place of being ruled over the place of the natural. So every man and every woman is ruled or being ruled either by God or by the devil. The natural ram is a lower ram, lower than the supernatural ram. The fall of mankind is from a superior ram to, a, to an inferior ram. The natural ram is inferior to the supernatural ram. That's why we all love miracles, because miracles come so fast. Miracles can, are so powerful. Miracles can be so efficient. It just right away turns your problems around to become your testimony. It right away can satisfy your needs. It right away can multiply the bread and the fish. So the supernatural is a superior ram, far more superior to the natural ram. Christians, we don't rule over one another. We don't rule over one another. We all, we are all being joyfully, beautifully governed by the Lord. Can we say amen? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You're free to be who you are. You're free to enjoy your life. You're free to carry out God's blessings and God's assignments for you. Amen. Our obedience to God is joyful. Our submission is perfect. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Can we say amen? Not by force, 
not by manipulation and not by deception. What about the devil? The spirit of the devil is the spirit of control. That's what devils want to do. The devil even wanted to control Jesus, to subjugate Jesus, to put Jesus under his control. Because if Jesus had yielded to the temptation, Jesus would have been under the devil's control. The spirit of the devil is the spirit of control. It's a tyrannical spirit ruling with an iron fist by manipulation, deception, and eventually by force. Let me give you some examples. How many of you know that money is power? Money is power. I'm sure all of you have experienced that and all of you have seen that. And yet be very careful that though you are rich, you don't exercise power over your fellow men. Can we say amen? Money is power. Position, social position is power. When we talk about the hierarchy, right? It's power. Lust, poverty, sickness, violence, and death. They are controlling spirits and controlling powers. They enslave, they entice. They seek to intimidate, to threaten, and to control. That's why the word of God says that you cannot serve both God and mammon. You serve mammon, you are being controlled by money. All your decisions are based on money. All your acts are based on money. All your attitudes spring from money. Money is a very controlling force. It's a demon. And when you see all those demonic activities, you see a lot of mental cases. Mental, emotional, physical, and social problems. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we are seeing now? If you look at John chapter 8, verse 34, John 8, 34. Why is it that God does not want us to sin? Why did Jesus come and sacrifice himself to deliver us from the clutches and the enslavement and the power of sin? If you look at John chapter 3, verse 34. What did Jesus say? Whosoever, so it's a spiritual principle. Whosoever commits sin. Come on, read that together with me. One, two, three. Is. One more time. Is. The servant of sin. Enslaved. Captivated. You cannot get rid of it by your willpower. A servant needs to be ransomed. A servant's freedom needs to be paid for. That's why Jesus had come. If you realize and notice that there are problems in your life, that you cannot get rid of simply by your willpower. There is a bondage. You are being enslaved. It's something that happens repeatedly again and again. It's out of your control. 
it suddenly just takes over. I want to tell you that a demon is involved. It can even be anger. It can even be fear. It can even be gluttony. A devil is involved. And for you to be set free, I'm talking about even Christians. You have to humble yourself. You have to acknowledge your problems. And you need to repent before God and take your stand and cast out devils. It's important that we do that. I'm referring to all kinds of addiction, all kinds of addictive behavior, anger, obsessive, hurtful, or dirty thoughts, images, negative emotions, painful emotions, memories, habits. When you have these that are always coming up in your life regularly, consistently, and you know and you know that you've been fighting them for years, you still have not gotten the victory. Devils are involved. It's very important that you realize that the forces of darkness are involved. And you can only drive them out by submitting yourself to the truth. Acknowledging the truth. Believing with your heart. Confess with your mouth. It's very, very important. You can't wish demons away. You can't just exercise self-discipline and hope that they will go away. If that can do, Jesus would now have come. It's repentance unto salvation. Repentance unto salvation. If you look at John chapter 8 verse 36. John 8 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Freedom from the captivity of evil. Free on the inside to be free on the outside. How do I know whether I'm free? Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. I remember I told you I loved certain kind of biscuits. And I enjoy, you know, food is like, it's joy to everyone, right? Joy, the first temptation, food. And then I realized that I've been buying those biscuits and eating those biscuits. And I would be, I would be reading my Bible, you know, reading my Bible and eating those biscuits. To the extent that I realized that I could finish the whole packet <laughs> within an hour. The Holy Spirit reminded me, what's happening to you? What's happening to you? Oh, I realized that. You know, I finished the whole packet and I've dumped the, the wrapping in the bin. So I picked up that wrapping and put that in, on my desk. And I said, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind you. You're not allowed to enslave me. You're not, you're not allowed to captivate me with the, the taste of these biscuits. I have the freedom to eat or not to eat. Get out in Jesus' name. Well, you may say that is something little, you know, why do you bother? It's from the little things that you don't give control to the lust of the flesh. Make sure that you have freedom 
You live in freedom. You live by freedom. And you exercise control. It's called self-control. Can we say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Why is it so important to be free? So that we can stand fast in our God-ordained position of freedom. Dominion. Hallelujah. Superiority over the devil. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. So that you can stand strong in your optimal position. Your reigning position in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me just, um, just, just spend a few minutes on freedom. Freedom facilitates growth. Liberty is conducive to maximal growth of creativity. You know, for us, a lot of Chinese, you know, our educational system in Hong Kong is spoon feeding. You know, from the moment you were born, you were told you need to study. You need to study hard. You need to study hard. Go into the best kindergarten. And then from the best kindergarten, the best primary school. From the best primary school, the best high school. From the best high school, the best, the top university in Hong Kong. And then after you've graduated from the Hong Kong University, get the most beautiful unit. The top of the high rise. Penthouse. The best job. That's, that's our education. It's like all of our children were molded, forced. They had no choices, no options. They were told what to value, what to prioritize. Whereas freedom, when you're free, you can discover your God-given talents. You can discover your God-given creativity. You can discover whether your talents lie with the number or lie with people or lie with uh, language or lie with technology. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Only one. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of us know that our children only live once on the earth? It's very cruel for you to try to mold them into your mold. I've repented of that long time ago. They, everyone is born free. Come on, say with me, free to be me. One more time, free to be me. The more you control them, the more rebellious they will become. Controlling parents will give birth to either very weak children. They become very weak. They don't know how to make decisions. They don't want to make decisions. Either they become very weak or they become very rebellious. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He allows you to be free. Even if you want to go to hell, he still allows you to be free. Amen. Freedom is very, very good for creativity, for intelligence, and for, for decision, the power to make decisions. Freedom of exercise promotes physical growth, <laughs> physical health. Freedom, listen to this. Sometimes you, you find God, you know, wow. How many of you know that God took the risk? 
when he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. When we talk about freedom, we're talking about you are free to fail. God took the risk. How many, can I ask you, who took Jesus to be tempted of the devil? Come on, tell me. Tell me. Who? Is it the devil? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So parents, don't be so nervous when your kids are being tempted. Everyone will be tempted, including yourself. So quiet down here. (laughs) The freedom to make and to rectify mistakes. That's what boosts security and confidence. I want to be good, not because you tell me to be good. I want to be good because I want to be good. What's the difference between Adam and Jesus? What's the difference between Adam and Jesus? Adam was created. Adam was created and made and put in the Garden of Eden. Jesus was conceived. What's the difference? What's the difference between a Christian parent and a Gentile parent? A Christian parent, you can pray to conceive your child. And when your child is in your womb, you pray to predispose them towards good. Predisposition is a very, very powerful word. A lot of us miss us. A lot of us, sorry, miss this. When you do not pray, you miss the power of predisposition. I pray for Trisha a lot when she was in my womb. Predisposition. That means you pray so that your child is predisposed towards good. Your child is predisposed to be attracted to good. That's why there is such a thing called generational blessings. If you were the pioneering generation, you still have a lot of problems, issues you need to deal with, fight after, you know, fight against. But when you're the second generation, I'm talking about true Christians, second generation Christian. When you're the second generation Christian, you have a lot of things. You have a lot of values that had been deposited into you. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, predisposed for his calling and his destiny. And that's why he had come to form the church. The church is made up of a people who are predisposed to be victors, winners, lovers of God, lovers of holiness, lovers of virtues. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Go with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you can give me just two more minutes. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Lord remind me, I need to say this. 
It's very important that we understand that changes do not come automatically. How many of us have realized that God loves you, but he's not going to zap and change you? Have, have, haven't we realized that? Yes, right? How do changes come? Changes come when we take the time to be quiet before God and then track. We track our growth. We track our curve. We track the problem that I had last year. Am I still having that problem? If it's an anger problem, if it's a self-pity problem, if it's an insecurity problem, I track. I track the problem. Do I still have them? How do I change? We cannot change any problems in our life, not until we identify them. Not until you identify that you have been religious, you haven't been real. Not until you identify that, then you can change that. Whatever you don't identify, you ignore and you neglect, you will not change. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's so, so important that we understand that. So it's impossible to change if we refuse to identify. And that's why guilt, shame, denial, or let's just take to the woods, they can never help us. Because as long as we refuse to identify, to rectify, we refuse to change. That's why the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. You have to be willing to confront yourself with the truth about yourself. Amen. And then you pluck out the demonic roots which have been sucking the life out of you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Now let's go to Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Okay, let's read this together. One, two, three. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the word transformed. Okay, we talked about that. Okay, continue to read that. One, two, three. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how, how do I, how do I read this scripture? Do I read it as the Holy Ghost, you know, chastising me, scolding me? When I have a mistake, when I have a problem in my life, be it pornography, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, anger, lust, gluttony, or self-pity. So is God just keep beating me up? You know, just keep beating me up? No, no, no. So what is he doing? He is telling me, where the problem is. He's telling me so that the snake cannot camouflage anymore. How many of you know that serpents camouflage? You think that is you, but it's not you. It's a devil. So, the, so God shines his light so the devil cannot camouflage anymore. Hey, hey, so what happened? You start to think new. You start to think new and you start to see new and you start to separate yourself from the problems. You start to separate yourself from the addictions. You start to separate yourself from the lust. You start to separate yourself from the sickness. Do you see that? Rightly dividing. 
the word of truth. Amen. And then how do I read this scripture? How do I read this? I read it as my personal prophecy. What am I talking about? This is my prophecy. When I act on it, when I obey it, when I submit myself to it. So when I make up my mind not to conform myself, my thinking to this world. When I make up my mind to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. When I take the time to practice it. When I refuse to allow shame and guilt and shame and guilt and condemnation to put me down. So that I'm so discouraged that I thought there's no other way that I can come out of this. I say no. Though I fall, I shall arise. I can make it. I, am make, I can make it because God has made me a saint. God has made me to be a saint. I can make it. I have holiness on the inside of me. Devil, you can't convince me otherwise. I have holiness on the inside of me. I have righteousness on the inside of me. I have prosperity on the inside of me. I have health, divine health on the inside of me. Devil, you can't convince me otherwise. Hallelujah. What is this? This is having done all else. You stand and stand. Therefore, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You can't change me, devil. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is my prophecy. What is my prophecy? That I will prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I will have what is perfect from the Lord. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. This is how you maximize your mental health. You don't have to worry about problems, worries, anxieties, fear, vulnerability. When you maximize who you are in Christ Jesus. Practically, willingly, and joyfully. Can we say amen? Give the Lord a big hand of praise. (laughs) Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bow. Amen. Hallelujah. It is good to follow the Lord. Living a Christian life is the best you can ever have. And don't be afraid of making, uh, don't be afraid of making changes. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. God allows you to make mistakes. God allows me to make mistakes. The key is that we don't stay there. We are not so foolish and so stupid as to stay there and allow the devil to bully us. The the key is that I want to live a victorious life, a triumphant life. I want to live out my true nature in Christ Jesus, righteousness and holiness. And I'm willing to pay the price for it. I'm willing to pay the price. What's the price? The time. The submission. The yielding. I'm willing To follow God's way. To believe with my heart. To confess with my mouth. I will not allow the devil to bully me. I guard 
my freedom, my liberty in Christ Jesus. Neither will I allow the devil to bully others through me. I renounce that controlling spirit. Get out from me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If that's your heart, then rise up. Rise up in Christ Jesus. Take your stand. If that's your heart, then rise up and stand. Amen. Having done all else, stand and stand therefore. This is the way I live. This is the way I stand. I will not change. Amen. Hallelujah. Refuse to compromise. Refuse to change. Father God, I give you thanks and praise for your people. The tenacity, amen, of your people. The faithfulness, the loyalty, the dedication to you. Father, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord. The same way that Jesus won all of the temptations, he defeated the tempter. So, Father God, we praise you and thank you that for each and every one of us, that we can win over the tempter, that we can defeat the tempter in every area of our lives, unashamed, with no condemnation and no guilt. And thank you, Lord, that you are the lifter up of our heads. Amen. Amen. And we stand strong in our ordained position of righteousness, of holiness. Our ordained position that we are the sons and the daughters of God. And with our mouth, we continually confess. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so who has redeemed us from the hand of our enemy. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise.